0: This is On Location, I'm Tim Leitner. Today's edition comes to you from four different time zones, California, Michigan, Minnesota, and Alaska. But first, On Location is produced by the NCI Communications Committee, with special production assistance from Joe Manlin and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, iHeartRadio, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. On today's program, I host an engaging conversation about the National Child Support Market Research Survey. I host guest Nicole Duroc. Assistant Director, Office of Communication and Public Affairs for California's Child Support Services Program, Amy Lindholm, Management Analyst for the Michigan Supreme Court, State Court Administrative Office, Friend of the Court Bureau, and Bruce Erickson, Policy and Communications Coordinator for the Minnesota Child Support Division. Listen as they discuss the collaborative effort of the National Child Support Market Research Survey, including how it was formed, developed, and launched. They share what data they most are wanting to learn, as well as where it will go from here. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome to this week's edition of NCIA On Location, where today we are coming to you from four different time zones, California, Michigan, Minnesota, and Alaska, to have an engaging conversation about the National Child Support Market Research Survey. I'm Tim Leitner, and I'm with the Alaska Child Support Services Division in Anchorage, Alaska. And who better to join us and share, but none other than Nicole Durock, Assistant Director, Of the office of communication and public affairs for california child support services amy lindholm management analyst for the michigan supreme court and bruce erickson policy and communications coordinator for the minnesota child support division so y'all welcome to on location i'd like to hear from each of you to introduce yourselves can you tell us a little bit about who you are where you're from what role you have with your respective child support programs and then let me let me ask. How did you get started with the Child Support Program? How long have you been here? What's been going on? Can you just jump in and share with us?
1: So I'm Bruce Erickson, as Tim said. I've been with the Child Support Program in Minnesota for six years, and actually, this was my second stint. When I was in high school, no, I'm joking. Right out of college, I joined the Child Support Division. That was in the early '90s. I was there for like six years or so. Then I left and went to the University of Minnesota. I was there for like 15 years or so doing communication stuff, and then I came back. So six or seven years, it'll be seven years this January. Um, What led me to Child Support is that it was nothing magical. I just saw a job, applied for it. It was communications, public relations, and I had that kind of experience, and uh, that was about it. So,
2: Okay, well, I'm Nicole Dirac uh, with California. I'm the director of the Office of Communication and Public Affairs. I come to Child Support. I knew nothing about it. I came six years ago to run the rebranding project. My background is in marketing and branding and advertising in the private sector. I didn't come to state service until my early 50s. But since then, I've been leading the pivot, really, in child support to more customer outreach, more stakeholder outreach, assessing how much people know about the program, which isn't much. Our team creates videos uh, to train customers and stakeholders on what the program is and what we do. They, we also offer, we're sort of like the ad agency for the whole state of California. Our local child support agencies come to us for help with social media posts and brochures or anything like that. We create all the publications uh, for the state of California, and uh, we do have a program where we actually do The social media work for some of our smaller counties that aren't staffed for it, we do the analytics, uh, the posting, the scheduling, and the campaigning for them, just like an ad agency would.
3: And this is Amy. I knew a little bit more what I was getting into when I started in child sport just because I was also a, a child on a child support case growing up. And Bruce, I'm also on my second stint in the program. So again, my name is Amy Lindholm, and I'm from Michigan, and specifically the court side of our Michigan program. I work under the Michigan State Court Administrative Office, and we have a lot of Amy's in Michigan. So I'm Amy L., if you're wondering, Amy L., not any of the other Amy's, and I work in the court side at the state level. And my team really focuses on providing management assistance to our local offices. We do policy work, training, program innovation, and we do all of that for our county offices that are uh, housed within the circuit courts in Michigan. Our local offices, they modify and enforce child support, of course, but also custody and parenting time or visitation orders for families. That's a little bit different from some states. In my role, I also serve as a fatherhood liaison between our local offices and different fatherhood programs and coalitions in our state and also a corrections liaison. And so that's where I've gotten a lot of experience working with uh, stakeholders to our child support program and parents who are in the program. I'm right now at about 10 and a half years in the child support program. And that's about equally split between doing the direct service case management kind of work in a local office and then working on this state level policy and training and management assistance side.
0: Well, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different experiences, and really just great to have you on today. So you've all been involved in launching a national child support market research survey. So let's break that down a little bit for our listeners, and, and really for me too, and talk about what that means. And, and so, Nicole, you just wrote an article for the recent NCSCSQ about this, and you mentioned that in September of 2021, the federal OCSC digital marketing grant cycles ended. So where did this start, and where did the thoughts come from about doing this national survey?
2: Well, okay. California had, I want to say, four digital media marketing grants. That was a federal grant opportunity. My office, there were three counties that had their own, and then my office had one. And I'm not ashamed to say that, as far as I'm concerned, it was a total failure. We were able to get people to respond to the ads, but the goal was to open non-4D cases. And we did not get anyone to open non-4D cases. Our loads continued to decline and that's because we we didn't know what to say we didn't have the hook we didn't have the selling point We don't know why people who aren't using our services don't use them. We don't know if they don't want them we don't know if they don't need them we don't know if they have something better well, I doubt that because for-profit child support collection agencies still exist but we didn't have that information so, I was complaining uh, because, of course, in the private sector, you always had that information. I mean, when I was at Beringer, we knew what color pink we wanted the white Zinfandel to be. And all that is done in advance. But there had been really no research ever in, in the child support program as to who the customer was, what they wanted, were we meeting their needs. And so I was complaining to my boss saying, we need this research. We had done research in 2017 on our own customers, and we'd learned a lot, but we still have no idea what the people who aren't coming to us, why that is. We could guess, but that's not the same as knowing.
0: Yeah, so this National Child Support Market Research Survey, were the precursors that led to this survey and why was it important to develop such an undertaking? And, and Nicole, I think you really laid the groundwork in this discussion about this, but tell us, tell us a little bit
2: more. Well, we didn't, I mean, I, I told the OCSE team, this is a lot of money, and we've been just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks, and that's expensive. Just from my private sector experience, Before you sell anything, you need to know, are are you even meeting a need? Is there a desire? What are the barriers? What are the solutions that are being employed now? And so that conversation, I think, jump in, Bruce, because I know you had a digital media marketing grant. I think we all found, all the grantees found that, yes, advertising works, but that we weren't accomplishing the goal of getting people in the door. Virginia simplified their application and saw a rise. So it's like, okay, remove a barrier. There's one thing we could do. I know Indiana did some work on language choices. And mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not turning people on with the language that we use. What were some of your findings, Bruce?
1: Yeah. And so, and thanks, Nicole. We had, uh, so Minnesota was one of the digital marketing grant recipients. And as part of our proposal, And part of this was based on some of the my previous work experience, even at the University of Minnesota and other places. But to Nicole's point, you want to find out where the gaps are in people's understanding and are they aware of your program? If they are, do they think they're eligible for it? So as part of our grant proposal, we did a survey and partnered with the University of Minnesota Survey Research Center, and we asked about 800 average Minnesotans questions like I mean, we set it up in case people got us confused with child care and or child protection to Nicole's point. So before we asked a series of five or six questions, and this was all run by the University of Minnesota. So we were basically we provided them the questions, but we didn't conduct the survey. But the first question we asked is, are you aware that each Minnesota county has a government child support agency? And right out of the gate, 65% said yes, 35% said no. So right there, that's, you know, What do we want that yes to be? It'd be nice if it's like 80, 90 percent. But now we know there's an awareness gap. And other questions we asked, like, are they aware of our services, like paternity establishment, enforcement, you know, establishing quarters, you know, those kind of questions. But then we also asked, and one we really asked, it's kind of in our sweet spot, in my opinion, is are you aware that we collect money from one parent and send it to the other parent, which is like, you know, the vast majority of child support programs do that. You know, it's money in and money out. And unfortunately, like in our survey, only 60% knew that that is a fundamental program service that we process. You would collect the money, record it, send it down to the other parent. So there was some gaps. But when we asked the question, um, which is kind of um, we were doing it here for this National Market Research Survey, is that we asked the question, if you were separated from the other parent of your child, how likely is it that you would apply for the county child support services? That I just asked you about, and then it was on a similar Likert scale, saying very likely, somewhat likely, you know, on down to neutral, not very likely, you know, the whole kind of scale. And then after they answered that, if they said very likely or somewhat likely, we said, "Oh, great! Tell us why you think you would apply." And if they said not very likely or no way, we asked them why as well. So we kind of did that, and then we we kind of altered some of our marketing efforts for the digital marketing campaign with the ads that we put on Facebook. We changed, like Virginia, we changed our um, application. We, uh, we created an electronic application for services, and that has, I mean, that's a pain point that we've heard from a lot of people. And it's like, don't ask me to fill out a 20-page book, you know, about what, just give me, get the basic information you need, and then let's go from there. So, yeah, I mean, that's what market research does. It kind of finds the gaps, the pain points. So you, you get a better understanding of what people think about your program, whether or not it's right or wrong, is irrelevant. It's really what their perceptions are. And then you make adjustments and then you keep doing it. I mean, you gotta kind of operationalize it and do it every three years or every five years to see if you've moved the dial. So I think that's another goal of this effort. Hopefully, I mean, maybe I sound like a broken record because I've said this to Amy and Nicole and others at the PR community, but let's do this as kind of a baseline. And if we can, you know, I know money is always tight and or resources because we all have enough stuff to do. But if we can do this again in three years or five years, you know, take some action in the meantime to see if we've moved the dial. And then this kind of just has to become standard operating procedure. And I'm not saying every year, but, you know, work it into your, kind of like Nicole said, that's what the private sector does. So, but I don't know if that, I mean, I think this is just kind of business 101 and that's kind of what we need to try to ingrain. And not just in child support i think there's a lot of human service programs that can do the same thing but i don't know amy do you want to add anything
3: yeah i was just gonna jump in with a couple precursors from michigan and from some work i've been involved in similarly bruce we we have a county um, in Michigan that wanted to start doing some like continuous quality improvement through surveying and, and sort of measuring procedural justice concepts. Like, do people think that things are done fairly on their case? Do they understand what's happening and then keep measuring that and figure out where they can improve and also be able to see like the demographics and if there's a difference, you know, by race or by age or by gender and then appropriately make some adjustments. So there, there was that that was sort of a precursor to, to me getting involved in this national survey development. And then also my team started doing early in the pandemic webinars where we would bring on some actual parents who either had involvement in, in our child support program or were eligible for a case but chose not to, and just kind of heard from them. You know, what has their lived experience been with child support? What do they think about the program? Why do they think that? And some really interesting things came up there that to me have highlighted this question of where where have people learned about child support? Where have they formed their opinions? And where do they get information that they trust about child support and and other things? And in those conversations, we are finding that some people who maybe were eligible and decided not to pursue a case, it was because their parents had had a case. And however things happened back then, that was still impacting how they perceived that things would happen today, even if we've made a lot of changes in the program. You know, what they really trusted was information from someone close to them.
0: Yeah, so before we keep going down the trail here talking about this, I was just going to ask, so you talked certainly about you three being involved in this this survey and how it came out of uh, digital marketing grants previously. Who else was involved in formulating and developing and making this survey and uh, releasing this? And we'll talk about when that was released in just a few minutes here. But besides you three, who else was involved in this?
2: Wow. Well, the entire NCA Public Relations Committee. Uh, and I was very, very grateful because I think I think the bottom line was everybody thought we needed some research, but nobody had the money to do it themselves. And NCIA as a sort of a trade organization, stepped up and said, well, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could sponsor it and our members could contribute, which was fantastic because we in California certainly didn't have the resources to conduct a national market research survey. So there was a subcommittee within the committee. Amy did all the heavy lifting uh, built the thing, basically, and we did a lot of wordsmithing on the questions. There were lots of meetings. I mean, it was we three who pretty much built it and went back and forth, but everyone in the committee gave feedback.
3: Yeah, we we were really those three musketeers during the initial <laughs> drafting. Yeah. But I, I wanted to highlight that in that public relations committee, a lot of different state programs are represented, different size caseloads, you know, different locations across the country. So there's a really good balance there of different state perspectives. OCSC is also represented in that committee, and as Nicole mentioned, NCSA. So it, it's a joint committee between NCCSD and NCSA and OCSC.
0: So with all this work, I, I've got to ask, what was it that you were most interested in finding out with this survey? You've, you've talked a little bit about that already, but what are you or were you hoping to learn? What questions did you want answered? If you thought about your top 10 or your top three questions or your top three data points, you really wanted information on, what were those? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. What uh, you, I don't what, see. what
2: yeah, do you know? Why aren't you using us? And what could we do that you would find helpful?
3: Yeah, and I I would add, where do you get the information that you have about child support? And who are you? Uh, What's your age? What's your race? What's your gender? Where are you located?
1: Basically, Tim, all of it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm joking. I I mean, I'm looking at the survey here now on my phone, and I, I would second what both Nicole and Amy said. I mean, to me... Yeah, awareness levels of the program, you know, whether or not do they know we exist Two, I mean, I do like the question that we like how likely I mean, if they like the program, how likely are they to recommend it to their family members, friends, you know, whatever. But yeah, the demographic type questions, that you know, that Amy's talking about. And frankly, if they're not using our services, how is money getting from one parent to the other? You know, some of those questions is really. And then I think Nicole or hit on it, someone was like, well, tell us one reason why you would not want to use our service. It's like, I don't need it. You know, I don't want the other, you know, whatever the reasons are. We give them a whole laundry list of reasons to answer that. And I think those top three or four type questions are really going to give us some good perspectives of what people think. Because, and again, I don't want to sound crass, but for those of us that are working in the program, it doesn't really matter what we think of the program. I think everybody who works in child support is there because they care about children and families and they want they have a passion for helping people and so I think that perspective is valuable but when it comes to people signing up for our services it's the perspective of the people who are our potential participants we need to worry about what their perspectives are and so and I think this is kind of a first step I don't know did I overstep that Nicole
2: and/or no you know? we did we did a sprint on that in California and one of the participants said and I've quoted it ever since we've got a free product and we can't give it away
1: right right I
2: exactly. mean that's in in the In the private sector, we'd have all lost our jobs by now, you know, so so what are we doing? Why aren't they coming? Uh, You know, we all have opinions about why. Some of them are probably correct. Some of them aren't. But we haven't even asked for a very, very, very long time. We haven't even asked. Right. Yep.
0: So, Amy, I've I've got to ask you. This just leads right into another question I have, and and uh, you, you've mentioned before in some conversations here about hearing some rumblings about the program needing to change in order to survive, and and this kind of fits right in. What are what are our customers or potential customers wanting and needing, and how does that differ, or how, or how is that skewed from what we think they need? So, what what can you tell us about this?
3: Yeah. So, I think this was. I, th- I want to say that this was at the 2022 Policy Forum, um, just kind of discussion at a table between sessions with folks from a few different states who were chatting about, you know, declining caseloads and and what we can do about this and why it's happening. And we were kind of talking about broadly the shift in public services and, and it, it being a shift away for us and child support maybe from the focus on welfare cost recovery and towards engaging families and empowering them to really pursue the future that they want and that they see for themselves. And it's not to say that none of our programs do that or aspire to do that today, but we we have some limitations with some of our, our rules federally, right? Some of the things that we have to do, things that we can and cannot do. And then some programs you know are wanting to do things differently and offer like a la carte services and say you know what's the thing that you want if you only want to transfer money back and forth but not have the enforcement aspect is that something that we can do and and so the discussion was really about can we make that sort of change going forward and and sort of increase agency, that concept of agency for families is something that's coming up a lot lately. And what I mean by that is, can we allow parents to choose if, when, and how they engage with our program? We don't always do that, right? We require a lot of people to be in our program. And then if we're requiring people and we don't give them that that option, are we actually serving people in an equitable way if they don't have the same options? And so that's really Kind of what that that conversation was about, and that's not the goal of this survey, you know, to make those kinds of changes. But I think we are all hoping that the data we collect here might be able to inform those types of broad public policy discussions in the future.
2: And I'll so, add on to that. Some of the things are just like technology. During the digital media marketing grant, there were many participants that either didn't even have a website, or didn't have a mobile responsive web, website, where, you know, the, the real world, people are banking on their phone, They money moves in seconds. Why should you wait for a state unit, five days, perhaps, when you can Venmo each other in seconds? And, and how do we address those kinds of expectations that the customer has that they should be able to do business with us as rapidly and as easily as they do business with other financial entities in their lives
1: yeah yeah i mean one thing i would add as an example and i said this before is our when we created the electronic application here in minnesota is that the previous application was a pdf that people had to fill out on their personal computer or print it off and you know write it in by hand, you know. And so to Nicole's point, there's how many times can you go online and fill out an app? Even an application, even the word application we changed. I mean, and that was thanks to Indiana, I think. And it might have been other states, too, that said. So shout out to other states if I if I was, you know, not giving enough credit to. But I know Indiana did it because the word apply assumes that you could be turned down like you apply for a job or you apply for college and you don't get in. And so I know some of the language we use, it's like, well, sign up for services or enroll. So, I mean, I think there's small things that we can take away from hopefully we'll see what the results are that we can do to make the program seem uh, maybe less daunting, more inviting, also more um, what's the what's the phrase current with other types of services that are out there, whether or not it's your banking institution or, you know, something like that. And I. And I realize there's also a shortage of, I mean, I'm not the only one that realizes this, but there's a shortage of resources. I mean, there's no shortage of good ideas. It's just the shortage of the resources to pull them all off. But if we can kind of do baby steps, make, and then, like I said, operationalize this kind of activity in terms of finding out what's important to the people we serve and figure out how to make adjustments from there, I think it'll be a, you know, a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I would imagine that as you developed the survey and you you formulated questions, there may have been some lively discussion about what kind of questions, what that wording is going to be. Nicole, you mentioned a little bit about wordsmithing some of the uh, some of the proposed questions. How did those conversations go?
2: Well, okay. One of the first things, you there's there's ways to ask questions where you get the answer you want. And we were trying very hard not to do that. For example, something like, well, you don't think we're unfriendly, do you? Is a whole different question than how were you treated on a scale of one to five from very warmly to very coldly. So there was that kind of wordsmithing. We used other people's surveys that had been done in the past as a jumping off point. Uh, Certainly Bruce's, uh, the focus groups we did in California. Okay, what those of, I think all of us had done some thinking about this topic and had done some work and everybody was sort of bringing their, the questions that got them the best information to the table. And then there were other things we just knew we wanted to know and we'd go around trying to think of ways to ask it that was emotionally neutral that didn't nudge a particular response but in which we could get a good honest answer
1: yeah and Amy not to set you up but I think the work you did too after we did that first draft you ran it past some people right back in Michigan and said you know that's not what I got from that question so I think there was some tweaking of questions after we ran it past but maybe you want to say more I don't want to set you up if you want to (laughs) <laughs> kick that can down the road but I thought that was a nice step I mean I thought it made made the end result better
3: yeah yeah it was it was definitely helpful to run the survey past some folks and get some additional feedback where maybe we didn't have an option that someone thought you know you you really need to have this other option for like the demographic questions or um any of the questions, really. And then uh, we also, we definitely had a focus on making sure that we were both using plain language, you know, not using like our program terminology that doesn't always make sense to people, but then still explaining the concepts that we wanted to ask questions about and making sure it was in a way that applied across various states, you know, where there might be a difference in how Michigan, California, and Minnesota do things, but can we ask a question that is relevant regardless of the state you receive services in.
0: So I've got to ask were there any compromises that were reached during the development stage?
3: Yeah, I th- I think definitely all along the way, we had compromises. Um, I, I mentioned we had a lot of different states and uh, states coming from, you know, different approaches to the program at times who were involved in the initial drafting of the questions. And so there was a lot of back and forth on on how questions would be worded and what we wanted to ask. And then once we in the public relations committee had kind of the, the final questions that everyone agreed on. Then Michigan put forward some some money that was available to hire a vendor to sort of uh, take this thing to completion. And the vendor actually set up some focus groups and did some further refinement through those focus groups of the survey. And I think actually uh, Nicole might know a little bit more about the outcome of the focus groups.
2: Okay, yeah, there was that was fantastic. We were at the point where we were going to disseminate the survey. And of course, the whole idea is to get it into the hands of people who aren't connected to the program. So the easy thing would be to email it to everybody in your caseload. But that's exactly what we were hoping people wouldn't do. But that does make it more difficult to disseminate. So my team here in California put together uh, a toolkit. One was just a list of all the different ideas we could come up with to help programs in different states think of ways to get the survey into the hands of the general public, because this isn't work that child support normally does. So you can involve your partners, you can hire a vendor, you can Put it out on social media. There's there's different things. We created social media posts. We created postcards with a QR code that takes people to the survey if people wanted to mail it out. We had a space where they could put their own state logos, but we did kind of encourage everyone to use the NCA logo because it's kind of neutral. If you have had a bad experience with child support, you're not interested in our mail. So, But you might really want to unburden yourself to... A third party uh and we would want that feedback and then when michigan stepped up and said well we have a you know we can hire a professional market research vendor to help us with this and that contracting process we came up with i think it turned out to be 11 core states uh we put out the request if you wanna be a core state, the vendor will handle it in your state. You don't have to do anything. But the vendor, of course, we didn't have enough money for the vendor to do it across the whole country. We've got great core states from all over. We, the, the West is represented, the mountain region, the South, uh, the Eastern Seaboard, the Northeast, uh, the Midwest, very nice coverage on the core states. And then the toolkit is there for everybody else to help put it out. And yes, the the first thing the vendor did was run their own focus groups, testing the survey to make sure they were getting comprehension of the questions and uh, making sure everything came out. We were going to get the answers we wanted, and they weren't going to go off down a rabbit hole of some kind. The core states? Yeah. Okay, now I have to think. California, Indiana, Illinois, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Texas, Utah, Virginia, and Vermont. If I don't do it in alphabetical order, I, I, I always forget one.
3: <laughs> that was really impressive, Nicole.
1: <laughs> that is impressive. Well done
0: yeah, that's that's quite a list. I, I've got to ask. The standardization and promotion to establish a data set across the board matter, so many different states, so many different areas of the country. How is everybody doing this so you get the same information, the same data, and it's not skewed? Well, that's exactly why
2: we hired the vendor was so that it for at least those core states, there would be a subset of the data that was collected exactly the same way across all those states so that it's an truly an apples-to-apples apples kind of thing. But then I know that there's, like, one of our counties handed the survey off to their advertising agency, and they will be disseminating it their way. We have a grant right now. We adapted it for use in our grant, which is eliciting information from community college students so I know that Bruce or did you work something out with your university research arm that's certainly the kind of thing that can be done
1: yeah no we did not I mean we I mean we did it like I said at the beginning of the grant but we have not so since we're one of the core states we were relying on that firm. oh that's right yeah, you right, don't have so, to right exactly <laughs> but yeah I mean it's a good question but no we're not doing the U of M for this thing.
2: But yes, so, so we will have the assistance of the vendor at the very end to help us take the core dates and then take all the other data points we collect and analyze them to make sure that across the data points, we're getting consistent information. I guarantee you somebody is going to email it to their caseload anyway. You know, it always happens. But there's questions in the survey so where we can identify current case participants. Not that their information isn't valid. It will be very interesting. It's, just good. it's good to know for awareness because case participants, by being case participants, have far more awareness than you might expect. So we need to be able to discount that when we're talking about the general public.
0: Great, great. So how, how long will the survey run for
2: Okay, well, it launched November 1st. The vendor will be finished with the core states by the end of December and will be presenting the core state results in mid-January. And all the core states will, of course, be privy to all of that. I know we here in California, we're going to continue with our partner outreach first five CalFresh, social services, we're going to continue starting in January and moving on so as to not interfere and overlap. You know, there are going to be people who hopefully get this survey a couple of times. As long as they've taken it once, we're good. But we're going to keep it running through the end of April, 2023. So, was
0: there any strategic thinking as to why to start it in November, why to continue it through April? It just seems to me a little interesting. You know, it's not starting January first; it's not starting some other date. Why did you choose this time frame?
2: Well, okay, the goal was to start at October one, but you know, the best laid plans of mice and um, men—it didn't. But here in California, our three biggest months for case opening are March, August and October. And we don't know why. I do know that March is the biggest month for divorce also in California. I don't know if that information goes across the states. We know that people don't necessarily open cases right before the holidays, but they could be thinking about it and waiting. We do know that we do see the biggest increase in March. So we wanted to make sure we caught people while they were thinking about it and while they were making those decisions. Um, Not very scientific, but with the data we had so far, it seemed like a good spread of time. And people can, of course, disseminate the survey after that. It's just at that point, we will take it down from the link it's at right now so that we can stop it and look at all the data.
0: So when you start looking at the data, once this data is collected, how will the information be shared? And how do you want to see this continue on past April 30th?
2: Well, I happen to be aware that David Kilgore, my director here in California, is going to be sharing some of the data at the NCA policy forum during one of the seminars. Every state is going to have access to their own data through a dashboard once it gets sorted and once we know what we're looking at, but the vendor will also help us compile a report that will then be sent out because if you're not used to looking at that data, it won't necessarily mean anything to you. So it's always nice to have an executive summary report that accompanies it. And I expect that Bruce and Amy and I will be involved in that assisting the vendor with the ways things should be said, the audience they're going to have to speak to, that sort
3: of thing. And I'll just add in as far as seeing it continue, um, I'm really just going to echo what Bruce said earlier that I think we we all hope that this is something that is done continuously then so that we can keep refining what we do, you know, run the survey periodically and I don't know how often that might be but be able to use that to continuously improve how we reach people about our services
2: I've been asking OCSE ever since the digital marketing grant to have a grant for more market research I yeah. you know doesn't mean they'll listen but I can <laughs> ask
1: <laughs> doesn't hurt to ask
0: So let let me ask do you have any last thoughts or comments as we kind of kind of wrap up our time today
1: I'll jump in. I mean, I want to thank the NCA and NCCSD, you know, PR committee for taking this on and being willing to support it. And uh, Michigan, of course, and um, to help with the vendor and the funding and stuff. I mean, I think I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit with Amy and Nicole, I think. But I mean, we all kind of realize the importance and the value of market research, whether or not it's in the private sector, the public sector, whatever nonprofit, And I, I'm just, I'm thankful that they, and appreciative that they were willing to kind of get behind it, support it, help us. And, and both Amy and Nicole. I mean, like Nicole said before, Amy put together, you know, the draft survey worked hard on it and Nicole and her team, you know, pushing uh, and getting the toolkit created. And so I just think it was a good effort and I'm just, I'm I'm, uh, appreciative that we're getting it off the ground and we'll just, you know, see where we go from here. But uh, that, even, you know, frankly, even if the news is, is is bad, it's a nice benchmark. And, you know, I think of other areas or industries where they probably do customer feedback and, and market research. I mean, I think like the airline industry. I mean, it's like a, it's kind of like a punch in the gut when people work hard and then you survey the people that you serve and they say, yeah, not having a good experience, even though you're working your butt off to try to give them a good experience. So I think, I don't think the results are going to be indicative of people's meaning in the child support professionals world that of how much they care or how hard they work. I don't think the results, no matter what they are, um, I think it's a it's an opportunity for us to learn. And for us to kind of, you know, I don't think it's even about, you know, we're not it's it's an opportunity to learn and get better. And it's like whether or not it's child support or it's the airline industry or it's the IRS or whatever, pick the entity. It's going to be rare where somebody says you know that was the best experience of my life you know or i totally loved working with the irs they were so sweet you know it's it's like what do they say you get eight negative comments before you get one i mean you're going to complain to your manager before you're going to say i got the best service ever at you know whatever so my point two things thanks nca and nccsd and shout out to workers you know it's a hard job and i think we're we acknowledge it. I think we're just all trying to get better. So I don't know, go ahead, Beth, Nicole or Amy.
3: Bruce, that was such a good point about, you know, the results are not, it shouldn't be sort of taken at face value. Like if it's on a five point scale, did you get a five? I, I think it's really important to look at the difference between like different demographic subgroups. And and then if we do this survey again, you know, the difference from year to year, things things like that. And I wanted to say it's it's been great fun working with both of you, Nicole and Bruce, and it was not just me coming up with the initial draft. Like I said, it was we were the three musketeers and it was really fun for me, you know, working with people in other states. It's been, I think we're all kind of survey nerds and research nerds. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I'm just really excited to see that we're doing this. You know, we hear from Commissioner Gray lately about engagement, and I think this is one of those steps in engaging the people that we serve. So I'm happy to see that that is happening. And I hope that we can end up repeating it and and keep using this to inform um, not only how we do our public relations work, but also to inform policy changes in the future to prioritize what families tell us that they want from us.
2: And I've got to give a quick shout out uh, to California's program innovation team. The survey was actually built in Word with a flow chart for you know, if answer A then here, if answer B then there. And Amy built a Google survey version, but the final version was built on soft data collection software that has the ability to have dashboards and sorting of the data and graphs made and everything else. That was built in their non-existent free time uh, by our program and innovation team, a young man by the name of Eric Decheki, uh, specifically, and they did a really, really great job with it. So I want to make sure that contribution gets, gets acknowledged. And you know, to to having to whether or not the results are hard for people to digest. From my experience here in California, yes, they will be. But I go out and I speak to our local child support agencies and the staff on these topics all the time. And what I find is the heads nodding in the background are the caseworkers and the frontline workers who work with the customers every day. They know that we're missing the mark in ways as far as our customers are concerned. I see those heads nodding. the The people who tend to be offended are the ones who are in more of the theoretical work, and they don't necessarily need our customers, but they're putting huge efforts into policy and operations, and where the where a lot of work is being done, but they don't necessarily have that face-to-face experience so I don't think this is going to be news to the to the mm-hmm. front lines but I think it's going to be very very useful to some really empathetic people who think in very inspirational terms about what they do because it's certainly been our experience in California that we're not being half as inspirational as we would like yeah
0: good good words to really think about So, Nicole, Amy, and Bruce, I want to thank each of you for being with us today and to tell us about this potentially groundbreaking national survey and who it is for and the importance of the data that will be gathered. I hope that each of you will come back and share with us what has been learned and how we in the child support community can better understand and use the data to meet the needs of the customers that we serve and ultimately the children. I want to thank our listeners for listening. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location. On Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your ratings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCO Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Manlin and me. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location.